Well, good morning again to each of you. Um, Are you grateful to be here this morning? I trust that you are. I'm grateful to have you here. Uh, Ben and uh, Julie, I believe, uh, and family, thanks for sharing this morning uh, your song. Appreciate you guys. And we appreciate your grandpa, great-grandpa. Um, what, a, what a great man. And it was a good... Um, there, is such a good there is such a thing as a good funeral, isn't there? A good memorial service. And it was yesterday. It really was. Um, so when you know Christ, it makes a whole huge difference. Huge difference. This morning, I'd like to... Uh, I know that a number of announcements have already been shared. I'm just going to pass a couple more things on to you, okay? Very first, how many of you have seen The Chosen on YouTube? Interesting. It's these people up here, isn't it? The rest of you need to check it out. I kid you not. Um, it, I learned about it last March when COVID first hit. If you haven't watched The Chosen yet, which is majority of you back there, Go to YouTube, type in The Chosen, and watch it. It is the best portrayal I've ever seen of Jesus Christ. Um, it is the most gripping. Uh, and, and, and perhaps it's a generational thing, which is why this, this, the people up here have connected so well to it. But it really it emphasizes some things that I think are key that I think previously have been omitted. Uh, in the portrayals of Jesus. So I really appreciate it. So here's where I'm going. Tomorrow, 8 p.m., The Chosen is offering a Christmas special on Jesus. Go to YouTube, check it out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to check it out, and I'm just making you aware of it. Okay, the second thing I want to share with you this morning is um, that Alyssa, our female youth intern, female youth leader, shared this last Wednesday that um, she has been offered more hours at her job. She works at uh, Northwest Eye uh, Focus, um, something like that. It's, I should know the name because my brother-in-law is optometrist there, but it's uh, out there by Target. And she is, is getting more and more hours that has an impact on her ministry here, in a sense. So uh, come December 31st, she'll be stepping off of payroll from Kingwood Bible Church. She was serving 15 hours a week here, doing youth ministry and a couple hours in the office. And so she is stepping back. She is not stepping back from ministry here to the youth group. And I am so grateful for that. I know that Seth is so grateful for that. Uh, she has uh, made a, a huge impact on the youth group here and on the church family. So um, I'm going to share a bit more in two weeks here. But I just want you to be aware of that because uh, the youth are aware of that. And it's always helpful for us to have processing time too. Okay. So in the coming weeks, as, as you're able to, just let Alyssa know how much... Uh, you appreciate her and her ministry. The final thing I want to share with you is that Ron put out some giving boxes, and they are in the back on the what's considered the coffee bar, but because 
We can't do coffee. It's not a coffee bar. <laughs> so uh, right now there are some giving boxes back there. And if you are interested, uh, your name is on the box. Um, if you don't have a box, then talk to Ron and Ron will take care of you. Um, this is, uh, there, there are certainly other ways of giving. Uh, 30% of you give online. Uh, but if you prefer this method of having a box with envelopes to remind you, um, then, then go pick those up, okay? Let's pray this morning, and uh, we're going to look at this final, final message on transitions, and you see the slide behind me. Um, and, you know, I almost feel funny. The last couple of weeks, I felt funny having that, that slide up there because it's Christmas. You know, I'm like, oh. Um, but this is the final week to have that slide, which is more fall, and technically, we are still in fall, aren't we? Um, so we're going we're gonna to wrap this up this morning, um, this series on transitions. Lord God, I come to you this morning. We come to you collectively. We come to hear from you, to look at your word. God, I am so thankful that when we open scripture, you speak to us. Even when it's a passage that is from the Old Testament that was written 3,000 years ago, you are still speaking. So God, I'm asking that you would speak again. And while I ask that, I know that you will. And so really, my prayer is that we have hearts that are receptive. May nothing stand in the way of us receiving what you have for us today. And Lord, I pray that you will Give me the ability to communicate truthfully with conviction and graciously all at the same time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Again, we have been looking at this idea of transitions. This is week 13. Can you believe it? 13 weeks on transitions. Working through the book of 1 Samuel. And this is the conclusion today of 1 Samuel. Um, as, as we think about transitions here, one last time, I want you to think about transitions that you are currently going through, transitions that you have gone through, or perhaps transitions that you see coming down the road that you are going to be going through. This morning, I've invited four people on up here, and I'm going to invite them up at this time. Come on up and, and join me. And um, I just uh, would like to ask a few questions of them this morning. So um, I'm going to be careful here with, uh, for privacy matters since we do air this online, but we have Cami here. Cami, thank you for doing this. This is, I think this is wonderful. Kelsey and I were thinking like, okay, who are we going to have come up? And we are both, let's get Cami up there. That would be really good. Thank you, Cami, for doing this. Cammie is Chris and Mary Beth's daughter. And then this guy over here. Do you recognize this guy? <laughs> so back from Kansas, and uh, this is my son. This is our son. It's uh, the son of, of Nathan and Kelsey. And he's a little bit hairier than he was when you last saw him, probably, um, which I love. I think it's just the mop is looking really good. <laughs> okay, and then we have Janet. Um, wife of uh, uh, of Stan 
And then we've got Steve down here, the husband of Cheryl. Uh, thank you all for being here. I would like to just ask you some questions uh, this morning, and we'll have you speak in the microphone. Um, this, this very first question is really for anyone that would like to answer it. You don't all have to answer it if you don't want to, but at least one or two of you have to answer it. Um, when you hear the word transitions, what comes to your mind? So I'm just going to actually, Janet, I'm going to put you on the spot and go for it. When you hear transitions, what comes to your mind? Um, for me, change. That's the word that comes. Change. Okay. Change. Anyone else have anything that you would like to add to that? Steve, go ahead. Actually, uh, two thoughts. Yeah. Oh or oh no. Okay, but that was oh or okay or oh no. Okay, this, the sense of woo, oh, or the oh, dread. Okay, would, would either of you have anything to add? Go ahead. Well, it's really random. I think of like PowerPoints and like when they go like shh, <laughs> or like they flip right. in. When you like hit the next button, they transition. The transition. Yeah. Thank you. See, there is a reason why I have um, various age brackets up here. There, there's, there's totally a reason. Cammie, you don't have to share what you think of, but you can if you want. Is there anything that you would like to share when you think of the word transitions? Okay, go ahead. Change of something like yeah. changing out of your family. Mm, yes, Good. Thank you for sharing that. That's good. All right, here's another question I have. What is a recent or significant transition you have experienced? What is a recent or significant transition you have experienced? And Cammie, if I can, I'm going to start with you. Can we start with you? Since you're the youngest, I'm going to start with you. What is something, what is some kind of change that you have gone through recently? There's something that comes to your mind at all? Do you want to think about it a bit more here? Yeah? Can I? That's fine. You think about it, and if you have anything, you just poke me, okay? And we'll, we'll get it. Trenton? Uh, in August, I moved to Kansas for college, <laughs> and I didn't know anyone there. And new state, new climate, everything was different. And yeah, that's, that's what I can think of. Good, yeah. Yeah, huge Huge transition for you. Huge transition for your parents as well. How about on, over here? Uh, two and a half years ago, um, Stan and I moved from our home of 30 years, jobs of 30 years, um, and we took a leap of faith, and we moved to Oregon to be by our kids. We felt God leading us here, and we're mm -hmm. glad we're here, but it was difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, after 49, close to 50 years of working full-time, I... I'm 13 days into my retirement, and so I'm, that's a big transition. Uh, Steve, that would be an oh, right? That's oh, it's both. Oh no, it's both. <laughs> Good, Cami. Is there anything that you want to add? Okay, go for it. Changing churches. Yes. Oh, that. Yes. So, all I can say is I am so grateful that your family is here. I still remember the very first time your family came here. It was this time of year, just a few years ago. I think about three years ago now. Um, three, right? 
not two, or two, two, two years ago, okay. Two years ago, you came here, and I remember your family walked in here, and both Kelsey and I said, we like them, we like them, we want them to stay, can they stay? And you did, I'm so grateful that you did. But that was a change that you had to go through. Yeah. Okay, um, how do you respond to change? How do you respond to change? Steve, can I start with you on this one? Well, I, I, I was thinking about that question when it was presented to me earlier. And uh, I guess it, it, it starts back when I was younger, and change happened a lot because uh, as, as a child, our family moved a lot from school to school. And it kind of developed in me uh, over the course of time this uh, anxiety or fear of change. So I, that's where the woe comes from. Uh, when I know something is going to happen or something that's going to ch- uh, kind of stir things up in my life. And so I, I would guess, and maybe some of you can relate, that that is what caused me to have these kind of negative feelings. So when I know I'm going to go through a transition such as going into retirement, there is an anxiety as well as a joy but the anxiety is that how am I going to do this? I've worked for so long, and it's part of my identity, and it's scary. So it's very difficult at, and in that instance to deal with the exciting time in my life where I don't have to get up and go to work. But at the same time, there's an anxiety of fear that how am I going to meet my needs? I've got to trust the government. I've got to trust someone else besides me. Uh, I really need to lean into God. You know, so, Absolutely. Thank you. How about Janet? Yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. the same thing. Um, one of my phrases to my family has always been, change is good, but change is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it's a good change, it's still a dif- it's difficult. And like Steve, I think change comes with lots of anxiety and lots of unknown. Mm-hmm. And in those times, um, I'm reminded of how much I want to be in control. Yeah. I don't want God to be in control. I mean, I do want him to be in control, but I'm trying to grasp for it in those unknowns. And so it reminds me, as Steve said, to just, I've got to let that go and lean into God. And it reminds me, um, you said yesterday at the service, just that I think transition as well as grief, Mm. if we allow it to, it can bring us closer to God. Mm. Good. Good. Thank you, Janet. Cammie, for you, when you came here to Kingwood, did you, how did you respond to that? Um, or how do you respond to change? Do you do okay with it or not? I don't think I do good with change. <laughs> but I think change means to learn about the people and yeah. learn about the church. Yeah, good. I like that. Yep. And, and just so you know, I don't do very well with change either. I, my family will be the very first to tell you, I don't do well with change. It's hard. It's hard for us. Trenton, how do you do with change? Well, I was trying to think of an analogy to describe how, like, I personally do with change, and I thought, it's really weird, but I thought of, like, a waffle, and, like, when you pour, like, the mix into the waffle machine, it, like, fills in all the cracks, and that's how, like, when I go into a new scenario, I, I adapt to, like, whatever's around me. So, like, filling in all the cracks around me and trying to fit in where I see where I fit in. And eventually the waffle's cooked. And, yeah, it's, that's the goal, right? 
That's good, yeah. <laughs> Voila! <laughs> some people do really well with change and transition, and some people don't. Um, so, and I think that you do. You really do. Okay, um, I, I want to actually just see a show of hands really quick from out here. So, um, how well do you, how many of you like change? Just raise your hand if you are the type of person, I love change, I love the seasons changing. Um, shake up my life, it's awesome, I want something new. Okay, like maybe a quarter, um, which means, that's kind of what I was figuring, majority of people don't like change. And even the people that like change, it's usually, yeah, give me change, as long as it's on my terms, you know, it's what I want, uh, but when something is hard, that's a little bit different. All right, um, how about this last one final question? And Trenton, if I can start with you on this one, what has helped you get through the transitions that you have encountered? What has helped you get through? Um, it's really easy, just friends, family, and God. Most importantly, my relationship with God. Those are the three most important things. Okay, good. Thank you. And I, I appreciate that because I, I know that it's easy for us to be in church and we think, well, I'm just going to give the church answer. But I think when that's, the, when that's the case, when the Lord is the one who has helped me get through, then give him glory for that. Um, Cammie, what helps you get through change? How do you get through change? My family. Your, yeah. And taking a breath. Good. That, that is good. Yeah. My family helps me get through. And, and there's a time where we just have to, <gasps> okay, it's going to be okay. Good. Thank you, Cammie. Janet. Um, I was thinking about that question because Nathan sent them to us ahead of time. And, um, you know, of course, my family, my husband, mm-hmm. my, my good friends. But I think ultimately in change, I have to go back to God's word and the truths that are there um, and really rely on that and on prayer yeah. to get me through. Good. Steve? A long time ago, uh, the Lord gave me a, a, a verse, a scripture out of Proverbs, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. And I, rather than just quote it, which I could, I'm just going to read it so it's not just something I made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And sometimes transition can be that adversity and, uh, for me and maybe for you. And I think that uh, as life's changes has come into my life recently and in, in the past, I've I look back and I can look now and say that I press into God because he is a friend that will be there and take me through it no matter what. And, and I find myself uh, not able to do it. Uh, my wife can't comfort me. Uh, circumstances can't because of the anxiety that may overwhelm me. But God can. And so I press into him and uh, more uh, by the because of the transition that's come in my life. So uh, there is a friend, and uh, it's Jesus, and he is uh, the one that's going to take me through uh, onto an exciting retirement. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you each so much. Appreciate you for sharing. Okay, at this time, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel. You know where that's at now, don't you? Pretty well. You can find it pretty well. First Samuel chapter 29. And we're going to wrap up 
this book here. We're not going to read every verse here, but uh, I'll highlight a couple of different areas. 1 Samuel chapter 29, and um, as you are turning there, just reviewing this book, remember, a couple highlights, remember Israel wanted a king. They wanted a king. And, and God told Israel through the prophet Samuel, tell them if, if you get a king, it's, it's not going to be as pretty as you think. Like the king is going to take your sons, put them in battle, going to take your daughters, make them servants. Uh, the king is going to take the best of your crops, the best of your herds. He's going to take it for himself. And that's exactly what happened. And Israel was warned a couple times, but they refused to listen to the voice of God through Samuel. They were stubborn. And they were, nope, give us this king. And they got their king. And look at what happened. It should be no surprise. This is what happened. Um, it, it was not nearly as pretty as they were hoping for. It was actually an ugly situation, I think. Um, through this all, God never abandoned his people. You know, as, as much as the people of Israel kind of refused God and we don't want this, we want to do it our way, God was still faithful to to care for them, and in his sovereign plan, he said, I have someone I've chosen, and it's David. It's a boy. It's, it's a, a, a little boy. It's a teenager that I want to have as the king, and this, this boy David was anointed as king. But remember, it took a long time for David, the rightful king, to eventually sit on the throne Years passed, and this was not an easy road for David to walk. I have never taught through First Samuel until right now, and I have never heard a sermon series or any teaching on First Samuel. I, I've heard it referenced. I've heard highlights. But for me, in studying this book of First Samuel, I realized that David's life was far harder than I ever realized. I did not realize how difficult his life was until I looked at it collectively and I thought, man, David, your life was hard. It was really hard because I always get this imagery of the shepherd boy, you know, or I picture him playing his harp in front of Saul or I picture him taking out the giant. And then the next thing is I picture him on the throne as a king And I'm like, man, there was years in there where it was hard and he was on the run. Well, last we left David, he was in the enemy territory. He was living under King Achish, who was a Philistine king. And yet if God's plan was to put David on the throne over Israel... How does God get David there? Because right now, David is marching into battle against his people. Did you hear me? He is with the Philistine army, 
marching into battle to go to war against his people, the Israelites. So how does God get David to the throne? Well, there's nothing impossible for God. So look at 1 Samuel chapter 29, verses 1 through 5. The Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring of Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. You see what's going on there? You can picture it. They are marching. These troops are marching into battle. And where are David and his men? At the rear. But they are, they are part of this Philistine army going into battle against the Israelites. Verse 3, the commanders of the Philistines asked, what about these Hebrews? That's referring to, to David and his men. What about these Hebrews? Achish replied, is this not David who was an officer of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year. And from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with him and said, Send the man back, that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Isn't this the David that they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Isn't it interesting that um, this, like David's renown was not just among the Israelites, but among the Philistines? Like this is, remember this song? We, we read this song a few weeks ago. This is the song that the Israelite women were singing as, as they came back from battle. And they were dancing in the streets. And their song was all about Saul who had killed thousands. But about David who had killed tens of thousands. But it wasn't just the Israelites who knew this song. It was the Philistines. Like, man, we've heard that song before. Isn't this that guy? It is that guy. And, and thinking like, hey, if he wants to get on, on good speaking terms with his king who has pushed him out of the kingdom and who is pursuing him, what better way than to go take us out? And I, I'm thinking on the human level, yeah. You know, if you want to make amends, this is a good way to do it. So it makes complete sense what they're thinking. Well, uh, King Achish didn't buy it. And he really did not want to send David. David had been with him for more than a year. I don't know Hebrew, but the Hebrew term here that is used could refer to more than a year or more than a couple of years. So I'm reading out of the NIV, but if you have a different translation, it's possible that your translation even refers to a couple of years, and that's possible. Whatever it is, David had been with King Achish long enough for King Achish to say, this is a good guy. He has won my respect, 
and I favor him. But I think to, to uh, stay on good speaking terms with his own soldiers, he went to David and said, I'm sorry, David, you got to go. You got to go, and you got to go back to the place that you were, Ziklag. I'm going to send you back there. You can't go into battle. Now, really quick, before we move on here, here's, here's the crazy thing. David was bummed. <laughs> David was bothered. David wanted to go into battle with the Philistines. David wanted to go into battle against the Israelites. I don't understand that. I don't know. I, I, there's a variety of reasons why, but all I know is what Scripture tells me. And David was bummed. David wanted to go into battle with the Philistines. I think there may have been this part, don't you trust me? Haven't I been with you long enough? Don't you understand that I'm loyal? If I give you my word, you can trust me. I'm not a flip of the switch. That's not who I am. Maybe there was some bitterness on his part towards the Israelites. He had been on the run for years already. How come they haven't come to my rescue? Why do they just side with Saul? I I don't know what it was, but David was actually, he was hurt that he would not be able to go in. Well, chapter 30 goes on, and I'm not going to read it, but chapter 30 talks about David and his men going back to Ziklag where they had been. And when they get back to Ziklag, they realize that, that the Amalekites have come through and raided their town, their village, burned it to the ground, taken their wives and their children captive, held hostage, probably likely to be sold as slaves or to be used as their own servants. And David and his men go and they just weep when they see this. Their hearts break and they just weep in chapter 30 for what has happened. Matter of fact, the text tells us that they weep until they could not weep anymore, until they had wept so much that they had no more strength to cry. There was nothing more. And then in chapter 30, it tells us these words. And then David found strength in God. David found strength in God and he he sought God out. God, what do I do? Do I go after those Amalekites or not? And God's answer was, yes, you go after the Amalekites. Now, this is quite something here because last week we looked at this encounter that King Saul had with the witch at Endor, remember? And when Samuel came and spoke words, really pointed words to King Saul, one of the things that Samuel said is, Saul, you have been disobedient to the Lord. And do you recall these words? Part of the disobedience is you did not take out the Amalekites like God told you to do. 
I'll be the very first to say this is hard when we encounter passages like this where God is telling his people to go wipe out a people group. You know, because this is the year 2020 and it's almost 2021 and we're just like, we don't think like that anymore. So I'm not here. That's, that's another message for some other time. But I, I just recognize it's hard for us. It's hard for me to read passages like that. But God told Saul, take out the Amalekites. And Saul wouldn't. And that was the beginning of his, like that, well, not beginning. There was a couple other beginnings. That was part of his disobedience to God, not doing what God told him to do. The, the disobedience of other people impacts all of us, doesn't it? You know, we have a tendency of thinking that my sin is just for me and let me just carry the consequence myself. Unfortunately, my sin not only impacts me, it impacts you. And your sin impacts not only you, it impacts me and others. Our sin is never isolated to a bottle. It goes beyond that, and it impacts other people. And in this case, the disobedience of Saul impacts David because now the Amalekites are still on the run, and they are still raiding people, and they are still destroying people, and they are still taking their wives and children hostage. And God says, in a sense, you go do what I told Saul to do in the first place. And he never did that. And so David and his men go, and they rescue their wives. David at this point has, it's hard too, David has three wives at this point. I'm not here to justify that. I don't think that scripture is here to, um, to, to justify it or say this is acceptable. But this is the truth of it. He had three wives. Two of them were with uh, the Malachites, and he's able to, to bring them back. Well, look now at chapter 31. Chapter 31, verses 1 through 5. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed the sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through. Or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelites, that the Israelite army had fled, and that Saul and his sons had died. They abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. What a mess. 
What, what a mess Israel is in. Um, Jonathan, the, the son that we know the best of Saul, the good friend of David, died this day in battle. But his other two brothers died as well. Remember, Samuel said that would happen. When the witch at Endor pulled Samuel up, Samuel said, Saul, tomorrow you will die and all of Israel will run fleeing from the Philistines. That is exactly what happened. And Saul, a fearful man, a man who was defined by fear all of his life, is running from the Philistines and the archers, you know, the archers release an arrow and it critically wounds Saul. And Saul gets to the point where he understands, I am a dead man. So he says to his armor bearer, do me a favor and just kill me. Let's make this quick. His armor bearer would not do it. And so what did Saul do? He, he committed suicide. He fell on his own sword. This is the end of Saul. What a tragic life. What a terrible life. This is, this is the life of Saul, and this is how it comes to a close. But I'm also reminded in this, not to make light of the death of Saul, not to make light of of this suicide. But I'm also reminded that God said years ago, he isn't the one who's supposed to be leading Israel. It's David. And so how does, how does God work in this situation? Well, God works through giving people a lot of freedom to make choices, choices that are negative, that are poor, that are terrible, that are evil, and yet working in that, working in that freedom, and yet having this overall, this this plan of, I am going to put the one that I chose, God chose him, God anointed him, God anointed David, I am going to put him on the throne. Yeah, people can resist that, but I am going to put David on the throne. He will be there. And he eventually was. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Just a couple pages over. I said we're not going to be looking at 2 Samuel. Well, sorry if I lied. We're not going to look in depth at 2 Samuel. I'll share with you five verses here. 2 Samuel verse, uh, ch- sorry, chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 1. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. David has been united with the Israelites now. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you, you, David, were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. We recognize this. We see you did it. You were leading us. And the Lord said to you, David, you will shepherd my people Israel. And David, you will become their ruler. When all the the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king 
made a compact with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. God made a promise to David. You're going to be the king. It took a long time, but God kept that promise good. He was faithful to it. There was a lot that took place. There was a lot of difficulty over perhaps 15 years or so between the time when David is anointed and by the time he finally becomes king. It was an up, uphill battle. It was not easy. But God remained faithful to David. This is a book of transition. Transitions of king, transitions of prophets, transitions of priests. When you look back, remember like when we first started looking at Eli the priest, um, there's been a lot of transition through this book. But in closing here, I want to just quickly offer three overarching transitions that I believe that we can take away from this book, 1 Samuel. The very first here is this. Transitions are hard and unavoidable. But God is with us each step of the way. It's on the screen here. Transitions are hard and unavoidable, yet God is with us each step of the way. Last night I was sharing with my wife uh, these three points. And I, I always appreciate my wife's perspective because her perspective is different than mine. She said, you know, Nathan, some transitions are really good. And I had to be reminded of that because so often we think in terms of transitions as being hard and bad. And I was reminded of, oh, of course. You know, the transition I thought about when she said that is when we got married. I thought about our wedding day. I thought that was biggest, one of the biggest transitions of my life. And yet that was a day of joy and celebration. I loved it. So not all transitions are hard. But even in that, To say that marriage is not hard? (laughs) If you're married, you just know that that's a joke, right? Marriage is hard. And so, so transitions are hard, and they are unavoidable. You cannot avoid it. But please remember that God is with you. God is with you on that road of transitions. In your lifetime, you are going to face a number of transitions, tons of transitions, You have many transitions coming up. I have many transitions coming up this next year. Transitions that we don't know about. God will be with us in those transitions. Think about the transitions that occurred this last year that you had no idea would be on the horizon for 2020. We have seen transition. God is with you. God will remain with you. He will never leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Two, clinging to the promises of God. Clinging to the promises of God carries us through the transitions that we face. 
We need to, care, we need to cling to those transitions that God gives us. We, we have looked at David, and David's promises are not necessarily our promises. I'm not the king of Israel. You're not the king of Israel. So I'm not going to just go and say that, well, if that was a promise that God made to, to David, that must be my promise too. No, no. But, but what are the promises that, that we have? Well, just a few I was thinking of. God promised us his spirit to indwell and lead us. That's your promise. That is your promise. God has given you his spirit. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, God gave you his spirit. And his spirit indwells and his, his spirit leads us. God promised that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's God's promise to you. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, that is his promise to you. God promised he will answer us when we call out to him. It's God's promise for you. You call out to God. He will answer. Not necessarily how you want him to answer, but he is going to answer you. He doesn't have a deaf ear. He listens to his children. He does what's best. He answers us. And how about this one? God promised that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from the great love that he has to give us. That's his promise to you. So when you're in transition, grab hold of the promises that you know to be certain. Hang on to those promises. Those are the things that will not change. And finally, the third thing I have here for you, some transitions may feel like two steps backward, but trusting God reminds us he knows what he is doing. You with me there? Some transitions that we go through, it feels like I just took two steps backwards. God, that felt like a blow. That was hard. God, I felt like I just lost credibility. I feel like I lost standing. I felt like like I've been rejected or whatever it is. This is hard, God. That was a hard transition. I lost someone I love. God, this was hard. I feel as though I took two steps backwards. So I remind you, in those times, trust God. Trust God that he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Imagine for David, when he was in the wilderness, that's two steps backwards, isn't it? God, where are you? I am in the wilderness being chased by a maniac. God, where are you? What are you doing? I feel like that's two steps backwards. God, I had to find refuge in the camp of the enemy. God, that's two steps backwards. What are you doing? Trusting God, and in David's case, for perhaps 15 years. God, I trust that you, you see big picture. I see little picture. God, you're doing something here. So when something comes across as difficult to me, may I trust, may we trust that, God, you're in that. 
You're in that and you're working. You're doing something for your good and for your glory. And you're not going to leave me high and dry. Why? Because I'm a child of you, God. I belong to you. So you're with me. Our time is far spent. What transitions are you going through? I've had the joy of talking with some of you over the last 13 weeks about transitions. And knowing that some of the transitions that you are faced with are so unique to each of you. Now you know God is with you. He is with you. He will never leave you. He's right there. May you sense his presence. May you draw near to him. Draw near to him in those times where it's difficult. Draw near to him in the transition. God uses transition to craft us, to mold us into greater Christ-likeness if we allow him to do this. God, thank you. Thank you that you use transitions in our life to bring about greater character, greater fashioning into the image of your son, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We pray that we will trust you. And Lord, for for my church family right now, those who are with me in person and those who are listening online, God, I lift them up to you because I care for them. I care for the transitions they are going through. And God, by your spirit, may you comfort, may you bring peace, may you guide them, and may they see your good hand at work. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen.